0: Greetings to all our brethren around the world. And as we are already in December 2022, it just seems like time goes very fast for me. Uh, We'll be in 2023 in just a little while. What a year 2022 has been. Uh, You'll get a summary of that in Mr. Weston's January 1st telecast. Actually, on January 1st, that Sunday, with these telecasts uh, 2023 in Bible prophecy. And, of course, he summarizes uh, what happened within 2022. Now, on November 15th, a historic event uh, happened. I know some of our ministers know, what, but how many of you know what was the historic event that occurred on November 15th, 2022? Okay, I think... Uh, Well, we have about five or six hands out of a couple hundred. You know, the greatest event, historic event, since the Noah's Flood. What happened on November 15, 2022? The United Nations pronounced it as the day the world population reached 8 billion people. Now, you begin to think the White Throne Judgment, and most of those 8 billion people will be in the White Throne Judgment. And where, where, where will they live? Of course, we saw in the Behind the Work video that the desert is about the size of the United States. So I think we'll find space for those six, uh, 8 billion people. Uh, Mr. Wally Smith did research in trying to figure out how many people have ever lived on planet Earth. And uh, one of the research results was 60 billion people. So you can imagine, 60 billion people coming from the white throne judgment that we will have a thousand years prepare for them. If you think about housing, clothing, uh, and everything else in preparation for the white throne judgment, but that was a historic event that took place, and now we're headed towards 2023 on the Roman calendar. And the U.S. midterm elections took place November 8th, with dem- Democrats apparently taking control of the Senate and Republicans taking control of the House of Representatives. But Congress, whether Republicans or Democrats are in charge, Congress continues to promote immorality. As you know, the news headlines here, Senate Advanced Bipartisan Same-Sex Marriage Bill. That was from the uh, the, uh, Charlotte Observer headline regarding... uh, what the bipartisan bill of the uh, of the congress as it said the legal protection in landmark 2015 supreme court ruling that made such a uh, union in constitutional right so here we continue with immorality the us continues continues to promote immorality and 67% of americans uh, support uh 60 uh, same-sex marriage. But there's good news. As We see all the terrible things happen. We know we're coming closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we will change from mortal to immortal and enjoy the return of a King of kings and Lord of lords. But God has called us to become watchmen. And you know the sevenfold commission that Dr. Meredith outlined for the church. Commission number two. Preach the end-time prophecies and the Ezekiel warning to the Israelite peoples. So you want to turn to Ezekiel uh, 33 and verse 7. You know Ezekiel, the third chapter in Ezekiel 33. Give us the responsibility of the watchman. Ezekiel 33 and verse 7. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them from me. So that is our responsibility. And you realize that we need to be watching. So we individually are responsible to be watching. Mr. Strange's sermon last week was three lessons from Joshua. His lesson number three was we individually are responsible for doing the work So we think of the church as doing the work, that is the leadership, and yet Mr. Strain was pointing out our individual responsibilities in doing the work. In the same way, we have individual responsibilities of watching. We all need to be watchmen, watch women, and watch children. And uh, perhaps our children can be watching World News with the guidance of their parents, and to become watch children as well as watch men and watch women. Matthew 24, 42. I won't turn to these. I'll just read these to you. Matthew 24, 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Matthew 25, 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Mark 13, 35. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. And of course, Luke 21, 36, you all know by heart, I hope you do, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Well, sometimes we emphasize the matter of escape, but we also need to emphasize the matter of stand before the son of man and of course one of the things I pray about when I think about uh, I believe it's in uh, Jeremiah where God said he caused Israel to cleave to him I think that's the King James or or the new King James cling to him and I pray that I can cling to God and Christ cleave to them and of course we look forward to that time when Christ will return and we'll be joined to him so He said, watch and pray always. So God revealed prophetic events to a church which the world knows little about. And God gives us that understanding. Tomorrow's World magazine, uh, December 22. uh, This is the new December Tomorrow's World magazine. Arrived in our home November 30th, just before December 1st. So I appreciate the diligence of the editorial department and of course, the publication, uh, printing, and the mailing of it. So we're thankful for that. Uh, where have the real leaders gone? A fiasco in the U.K. is merely a symptom of a global problem. So you'll be wanting to read that. And then, of course, concerning prophecy, we have the October-November Tomorrow's World magazine, the Day of the Lord, and, of course, why human life has value, just an extremely important Article. I hope all of you have read that. If you haven't, uh, please read uh, Mr. Smith's article, Why Human Life Has Value, but also The Day of the Lord. And, of course, it has a, a time frame, a graphic in the centerfold, so you can be reading that. So also in this particular issue, uh, the October-November issue is an article by Mr. Peter Nathan, the cause of Israel's woes. And I'll be quoting from that later on in the sermon. So major prophetic events are now happening, and others are on the horizon, and geopolitical changes are bursting into the headlines. And today's sermon will discuss five prophetic events to watch for in the Middle East. And that includes the sign for the church to flee to the wilderness. Will you be ready to flee when the time comes? The title of the sermon today is Watch the Middle East. I'll first of all talk about recent Middle East events briefly. Israel had its elections in the Council of Elders. I have a CO here in my notes for Charlotte Observer. Netanyahu needs to govern for all Israelis. That's a Bloomberg opinion editorial. So this is not a factual approaches more of an editorial comment by Bloomberg. Quote, the government Netanyahu is currently forming may well be the most radical in Israel's history. To win election, is conservative Likud Likud party party allied with a far-right bloc known as Religious Zionism. Itamar Ben-Geber advocates dismantling the Palestinian Authority, expanding jewish prayer rights on the temple mount one of the holiest sites in both judaism and islam in defiance of a 55 year old agreement and expelling jewish and arab citizens of israel deemed to be quote disloyal and quote both support annexing the west bank outright without granting palestinians full citizen rights so again here is a kind of criticism towards israel and its far-right government, against, uh, presumably against all Palestinians. Another analysis gave a different perspective, or similar perspective. Netanyahu's victory and his comfortable majority puts an end to Israel's political instability for now. They've had several elections in just uh, four elections in three years, or vice versa. But now it leaves Israelites split over their leadership and over the value they define their state, Jewish or democratic. But it leaves Israelis split over their leadership and over the value that defines their state, Jewish or democratic. So what does that mean? It means the recognition of the Jews towards the God of Israel. Are they going to recognize the God of Israel, or are they going to continue to be secular? So what lies ahead for the nation of Israel? And what does the Bible say about the future of Jerusalem? Uh, turn in your Bible to Revelation, uh, the 11th chapter. Revelation 11. Now this is talking about the two witnesses, but it has a side point in Revelation 11 regarding the state, spiritual state of Jerusalem. Revelation 11 and starting with verse 7. When they finish their testimony, that is the two witnesses, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them and kill them, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So you realize that can be the spiritual state of Jerusalem, which needs to change. And of course, they need to re- repent. And when you read in the scriptures in Isaiah 11 and Jeremiah 31, about the second exodus, it talks about the house of Israel and the house of Judah coming back from captivity. God wants us to be looking forward to the future of Jerusalem, which is going to be a glorious future. In fact, we have a Tomorrow's World telecast on January 8th coming up, uh, telecast number 700, coming soon, Jerusalem, capital of the Middle East. And uh, we need, of course, be watching for the events surrounding Jerusalem and the Middle East. But we look forward to the millennial fulfillment as we observed during the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, the joy of Jerusalem being the capital of the world with Jesus Christ ruling from there. So uh, let me ask you, what is your connection to Jerusalem? Do you personally identify with Jerusalem? Our future identity is with Jerusalem. I turn to Revelation 3 and verse 12. Revelation 3 and verse 12. This is talking about Philadelphians. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God. Yes, we are children of God. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. So you, if you are a true Philadelphian, will have the name of the new Jerusalem. I won't turn there, but you can turn to uh, Psalm 122 and verse 6. When you identify with Jerusalem, it says in Psalm 122, point, uh, uh, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I don't know if you've ever done that, uh, but if you are going to identify with Jerusalem, it might be... a a good part to put into your prayer life. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. Mr. Mike DeSimone gave a sermon on a brief survey of the spiritual history of Israel. So you want to get more of the history and the prophecies of Jerusalem, uh, you can... uh, Reference, Mr. Mike Desmond's sermon, a brief survey of the spiritual house of Israel. Again, I want to refer you to Mr. uh, Mr. Nathan's article on the cause of Israel's woes. And on page 22, he writes, While the world's attention has been focused on the current Russian invasion of Ukraine, what has been happening in Israel and the wider Middle East... Concerning Israel's Declaration of Independence, Mr. Nathan writes, quote, Yet missing from the Declaration was any language based on the original covenant under which the land had been given to modern Israel, Israel's forebears. Ultimately, it was a secular document with a nod to Orthodox community. The Declaration of uh, independence for Israel did not refer to God. Interestingly enough, the U.S. Declaration of Independence did. Mr. Nathan continues, Israel faces continuing pressures from its enemies, especially those funded by Iran. Its foes want to see Israel destroyed. That battle will continue until Israel recognizes its need for a covenant relationship with God. So the question is, what is the cause of Israel's woes? Mr. Nathan writes, that battle will continue until Israel recognizes its need for a covenant relationship with God. And so, as we saw before, one of the analysis was, are they going to choose to be Jewish? Meaning, recognizing... Their relationship with God or democratic. And that was a similar question that the United States faced when it was declaring its independence. And are we going to exclude God from our, our form of government? And the article I wrote some years ago on Thanksgiving and our national purpose, I wrote, consider God's warning and he, and This is quoting Deuteronomy 8, verses 10 through 11, when we think of our national purpose. When you have eaten and are full, Deuteronomy 8, verse 10, then you shall bless the Lord your God for all the good land which He has given you. Beware, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command you today. So we know our nation has not been heeding that warning individually and nationally. And our national sins are producing national penalties. But President Abraham Lincoln recognized our our relationship with God nationally. He stated and called a national day of fasting. Now, would any of our leaders do that today? Again, we have the uh, December issue. Where have the real leaders gone? Uh, President Lincoln was a leader and he called the National Day of Fasting on April 30th, 1863. And he stated, it is the duty of nations as a well of men to own their dependence upon the overpowering power of God. It's the duty of nations. How many leaders around the world have that same sentiment and that same reality. It is the duty of nations, as well as of men, to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God. Abraham Lincoln was connected the nation to God. And to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures, even referring to the Bible to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord, end of quote. What an amazing statement by Abraham Lincoln. He acknowledged God was a true source of blessings, but our national purpose must include an acknowledgement of the Creator, Notice what the Apostle James wrote, of course, in James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above and comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So we understand anything, that good thing we enjoy in life, we give credit to God for that. And Abraham Lincoln reminded the American people of the source of their blessings. The United States Declaration of Independence, interestingly enough, mentioned God three times. The laws of nature and of nature's God, number one. Number two, they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And the last paragraph says of the U.S. Declaration of Independence, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. Of course, the national constitution did not mention God, although some say, well, it had Anno Domini in 1778 or whatever the date was. Uh, but no, just as Israel decided to become a secular state, so the United States decided to be secular and not acknowledge God in its constitution. But yet, individually, all 50 states of the United States mention God in their state constitution. The North Carolina Constitution states as follows. For North Carolina, we the people of the state of North Carolina, grateful to Almighty God and sovereign ruler of nations for the preservation of the American Union and the existence of our civil, political, and and religious liberties and acknowledging our dependence upon him for the continuance of those blessings to us and our posterity, due for the more certain security thereof and for the better government of the state ordain and establish this constitution. So it's amazing that North Carolina recognized that our liberties and our blessings come from Almighty God. But what is happening now to our nation and to our states? I won't turn there, but part of the answer is in Hosea 4 and verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Yes, we realize that our nation is rejecting God, rejecting the source of of understanding even the Bible and the revelation from God and choosing immorality instead. And that comes back to President Lincoln's warning announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. So we've briefly discussed some significant news events in the Middle East and the remainder of the sermon, I'll discuss five signs briefly uh, to watch for in the Middle East. And uh, be sure to watch read our booklet, uh, The Middle East in Prophecy. Key number one, prophetic sign number one in watching the Middle East is to watch for military alliances forming east of the Euphrates River. Watch for military alliances forming east of the Euphrates River, Revelation 9 and verse 13. You're familiar with what happens in this major military event in Revelation 9 and verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Revelation 9 verse 15 saying, the sixth angel who had the trumpet, this is verse 14, released the four angels that are bound at the great river Euphrates. Verse 15, so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million, and I heard the number of them. So here is this massive military force east of the Euphrates River. And this is, of course, describing World War. And this phase of World War III will kill a third of human beings, billions of people. And, of course, Jesus said, unless those days were short, no flesh would be saved. So what nations are east of the Euphrates River? You know, when we were teaching at Ambassador College years ago, uh, one of the common weaknesses of students was geographic ignorance. You know, we had to have – we have classes on geography and so forth. And uh, I think the the problem still faces us today, even for adults, to understand – to look at maps and look at the geographic significance. So what nations are east of the Euphrates River? You look on any map and you'll see Iran, India, China, and Russia – And, of course, you're going to have an army of 200 million people to form in that area and march to the Euphrates River and across it to the Valley of Jezreel near Megiddo. One of the population estimates for 2023 is that India will surpass China in population. Of course, they are about 1.3 billion uh, right now, so Even the two nations together, about 2.6 billion people out of the 8 billion people on the face of the earth. So consider this report from Business Insider. China is taking steps to strengthen its military force. China's economy is the second largest in the world, and it's on the path to overtake the United States in absolute GDP by 2030 giving China the ability to spend far more resources on its military than in previous decades. From 1996 to 2015, China increased its military spending by 620 percent. China's military power may surpass the United States faster than you think. That's from Business business Insider. And recently, uh, you probably read the newspaper recently that China sent three astronauts up to their space station where they already have three astronauts. So they're going to be a little crowded for a week with six astronauts. And then the previous three astronauts will come back to Earth and the new astronauts will be up there for another six months. So even China's expanding into face, into space. And you know, uh, that, that seems to be on the surface something, uh, scientific for investigation for the, of welfare of humanity, but you know behind the scenes there are space wars and space military being considered. The world ahead that you have, and you get news and prophecy in your email, and this is from uh, November seventeenth, twenty 2022, the world ahead, India-Russia ties are growing. India is one of the few nations in the world that did not criticize Russia's military actions in the Ukraine. In their fifth meeting together this year, the foreign ministers from India and Russia discussed closer trade ties and cooperation in the areas of space travel and nuclear energy. The prophecies of Scripture indicate the rise of a massive war-making power east of the Holy Land at the end of the age, Revelation 9, verses 11 through 19. This army will likely consist of forces mustered by several large and powerful nations. Russia, India, China could be sources for those future troops. We see the bonds between these nations growing tighter. And that's. And the article continues, that is the World Ahead article, India-Russia ties are growing with this statement. To understand the significance of this growing relationship between kings from the east, be sure to read... Five Prophetic Signs for the Middle East. (laughs) And that's basically the sermon I'm giving you is Five Prophetic Signs for the Middle East. So you can read that article and you'll have the summary of the sermon, basically. But also I will recommend that you uh, access Mr. Mike DeSimone's sermon, Seven Prophetic Milestones. You can get that, of course, on members.lcg.org. Seven prophetic milestones that was given May 21st, uh, May 22nd, uh, 2021. So now we see the European Union and later the Roman Empire has prophesied to intervene on uh, Israel's behalf. And, uh, of course, they will again control Jerusalem later on. We'll comment on that later on. So sign number one is watch for military alliances. Forming east of the Euphrates. Now, beast power, of course, is going to be on growing, and we know that the United uh, Europe, uh, with uh, headquarters in Brussels, Belgium, is, will be developing all three dimensions, the military, economic, and political, in times come. And uh, as we've seen written and in the article here on leadership, uh, well, of course, it emphasizes we have so many times in times of great d- disaster and trouble, uh, people will learn, lean towards a leader who becomes actually despotic, and will try to turn things around from a, an alien economy and other problems in their nation. Prophetic sign number two is watch for growing unity among Israel's traditional enemies. So who are Israel's traditional enemies? They've recently had some good uh, uh, peaceful relationships with some of the Arab countries in in the Middle East. But you remember the Six-Day War of June 1967. And uh, you realize that June 1967 uh, that was the war when Egypt, Syria, and Jordan uh, attacked uh, Israel. But Israel actually conquered them, so to speak. They they conquered the Sinai Peninsula, the Golan Heights, the West Bank, and East Jerusalem. And so Israel now had control of um, Jerusalem, which had been split in half now. They only had control of West Jerusalem. But in the Six-Day War, they had complete control of the city of Jerusalem. And, of course, that's the time when I started praying for my special desires of my heart and Psalm 37.4, that I could go to Jerusalem. So that was uh, uh, finally uh, answered in 17 years later. But anyway, um, Jerusalem became a united city then in 1967, June 1967, after the Six-Day War. But after that, six years later, there was the Yom Kippur War. And again, they were invaded by Egypt and Syria and yet uh, they finally came to a peaceful uh, decision. You realize what is the enemies and who are the enemies of Israel. They're continuing to have the conflict between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And surprisingly, even in the United States, Uh, perhaps Israel's strongest and most generous allies' voices are increasingly calling on Israel to remove restrictions on Palestinians and to give greater autonomy to a Palestinian authority. And the BDS movement against Israel is a growing source of controversy among those critical of Israeli policies. So here in the United States, BDS is actually attacking Israel. How many of you know what BDS is? You see your hands? Maybe I don't see. Okay, I don't see your hands. Okay, maybe there must be someone here who knows what BDS Okay, thank you. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's mentioned here. If you had read Mr. Nathan's article on the cause of Israel's rose, you would know what BDS is. It is boycott, divest, and sanction. It's a movement of growing against Israel. Uh, Here even in United States universities, uh, states and churches uh, are against Israel. Uh, Boycott, divestment, and sanctions. I'll just read from Mr. Nathan's article. Boycott of Divestment and Sanctions, BDS is a program currently waged against Israel to end international support for Israel's oppression of Palestinians and pressure Israel to comply with international law, end of quote. So drawing on activist lessons from opposing South African apartheid in the 1980s, BDS has gained support from many U.S. campuses and churches. It has also been supported by many progressive Jewish groups surprisingly, in the U.S., and even finds a voice in the U.S. Congress. In Britain, the Methodist Church has voted to continue support for BDS. Essentially, and certainly in its extreme, BDS activists are straightforward expression of anti-Zionism, opposition even to the existence of the State of Israel. With enemies like that, what about your friends at home? Uh, writes Mr. Peter Nathan. That's page 21 on his article. You might turn to to Psalm 53. Who are Israel's enemies? And what does the Bible prophesy? Psalm 83. Psalm 83, verse 1. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult. And those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. Notice verse 4. They have said, Come and let let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. Now these are Israel's enemies. They say, We just want to destroy Israel. And they've made that statement publicly. Verse five, for they have consulted together with one, one consult, one con, uh, con consent. They form a confederacy against you. Now, interestingly enough, we are now printing the semi-annual letter and I hope, uh, semi-annual booklet, Germany and prophecy. And I hope you all received your uh, Germany and Prophecy, or your semiannual letter from Mr. Weston. I just want to quote from uh, Germany and Prophecy uh, concerning the Psalm 83. It's a uh, discussion of really proving where Assyria is and who Asser is, and it refers to historic statements by the uh, theologian Jerome, and it says Asser. A-S-S-U-R, Assur, also is joined with them. He was quoting from Psalm 83, verse 8. This prophecy is a group of nations forming an alliance to fight against God and His people, to cut them off from even being a nation. I'm reading from uh, Germany in prophecy. And truly, through much of Israel's history, their enemies have attempted to wipe them off the face of the earth. But God has miraculously protected them time and again. Who are the people? Who are the people the Bible predicts will fight against Israel? The tents of Edom and Ishmael it's Not at verse, verse six, Psalm 83. The tents of Edom and Ishmaelites, Moab and Hagarites, Gabal, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia and the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria is also joined with them and has helped the children of Lot. That's Psalm 83, verses 6 through 8. Uh, continuing reading from Germany and prophecy. Many of the nations listed in verse 6 through 8 are connected with Arab nations that surround the modern nation of Israel in the Middle East today. Yet the invasion of Germanic tribes into Rome prompted Jerome to mention Narrowly, only the Assyria portion of this passage, the connection between Assyria and Germany, is real. Well, the emphasis in the GIP, we call it, Germany and prophecy is a matter of the identity of Assyria. But what nations are mentioned in Psalm 83? From the Middle Eastern prophecy, page 13. I'm quoting from the booklet, Middle Eastern Prophecy, page 13. What nations have continuously committed themselves to destroy the name of Israel? In July of 1968, Palestinian leaders signed the, quote, Palestinian National Charter, end of quote, which called for the destruction of the state of Israel. As Psalm 83 indicates, Assyria identified as modern-day Germany, We'll be joined by the end-time confederacy of Arab nations. Look on your Bible map for the ancient locations of Moab, Ammon, and Edom, mentioned in Psalm 83. Nations that are prominently mentioned in Daniel's end-time prophecy. These are the Muslim nations' peoples of the Middle East. So that's from uh, page 13 of the Middle East in prophecy. So prophetic sign number two, is watch for growing unity among Israel's traditional enemies. Sign number three is watch for international attempts to control Jerusalem. A Bible prophecy warns us and tells us it will be a focus of international conflicts. To the Jews, Jerusalem, of course, is the city of the great prophets. And to the Jews, it's their major city. But for the Muslims, it is the third most holy city in Islam, after the cities of Mecca and Medina, and the Mosque of Omar's or the Dome of the Rock is, dominates the Temple Mount, and it is called Al-Haram Al-Sharif, which means the Noble Sanctuary, and it is believed to be the place where Mohammed uh, went with his horse up to heaven and. Uh, Of course, my wife and I have been there at the Dome of the Rock, and some of you have been as well. And there's one little section inside the Dome of the Rock where you put your hand in this little place, and it's supposed to be the footprint of the horse from which Mohammed went up to to heaven. But it's a very holy place, and it's, of course, very controversial in terms of will the Israelis be able to pray on the Temple Mount? They've certainly attempted to. And uh, will they be able to sacrifice on the Temple Mount? That would be very controversial in the future. But take another look at uh, what is happening in the Middle East and, and, and in Jerusalem, and in particularly the Temple Mount. Will there be international control of Jerusalem? Who, What forces want international control? Of Jerusalem. Roman Catholic Pope Francis in July of 2018 stated, quote, we look to Jerusalem a city for all peoples, a unique and sacred city for Christians, Jews, and Muslims from all over the world whose identity and vocation must be preserved beyond the various disputes and tensions and whose status quo demands to be respected as decided by the international community and repeatedly requested by Christian communities of the Holy Land. Only a negotiated solution between Israelis and Palestinians, firmly desired and favored by the community of nations, can lead to a stable and lasting peace and ensure the coexistence of two states for two people. That's Jerusalem, a city for all, from the Vatican News. March 30th, 2019. So Jerusalem will not be controlled by the Israelis. And, of course, you're familiar with that, but turned in your Bible to Revelation, uh, the 11th chapter. We've referred to that already. Revelation, the 11th chapter. Revelation in verse 1. Revelation 11, verse 1. John, the author, says, Then I was given a reed by a measuring rod, And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days clothed in sackcloth. So it was going to be given to the Gentiles. The city will be trodden down by the gentiles for 42 months and so we realize yes the it says until the times of the gentiles are fulfilled and i hope you've read the article the dangerous times of the gentiles which we've um, published in tomorrow's world magazine already and so you you realize that for three and a half years the two witnesses will contend with the gentile force that dominates the city of Jerusalem. And of course, during that time, the church will be in a place of the wilderness during the Day of the Lord, the Great Tribulation for two and a half years, and the Day of the Lord for that one year. So key number three, prophetic sign number three, is watch for international attempts to control Jerusalem. Prophetic sign number four, watch for animal sacrifices by the Jews in Jerusalem. And when will that be? When will the sacrifices begin? So remember, the key sign that identifies our fleeing to the wilderness as a major milestone is Matthew 24:15. And uh, you, you may not need to turn there, but Matthew 24:15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. And those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Of course, that happened historically in 70 A.D., but the whole context of Matthew 24 is the end time. So what will you do? And you read further on, it says, don't come down to your, go, 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 don't go back into your house and so forth. Uh, it's, it's a real challenging to our faith. In our commitment what are we going to do at that time? are we going to follow the leaders of the church and realize yes uh, we need to go to a place in the safety are we going to be expelled and thrust out? are there are many different scenarios of how we will get to the place in the wilderness but the key sign will be of the abomination of desolation and of course Daniel the 11th chapter, Uh, tells us about that historically. You might turn to Daniel uh, 11 and verse 31, again talking about the abomination of desolation that happened historically. Daniel 11, verse 31, "...and forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation." And that was 167 B.C. by Antiochus Epiphanes. And so you realize that this is the type of what will happen. And in 70 A.D., of course, the temple was profaned and actually destroyed. And the daily sacrifices were stopped in 70 A.D. And the animal sacrifices have not been instituted since. But, of course, the Third Temple Institute has been Preparing for decades now, with the uh, temple uh, accoutrements, the instruments, the uh, priestly garments, uh, and they are really zealously preparing for that. And of course, in Daniel 11, verse, Daniel 12, and verse 11, Daniel 12, verse 11, and from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up there shall be 1,290 days. So we know that the 1260 days of the great tribulation and day of the Lord, we have 30 days before that with the abomination of desolation where the church will have 30 days to flee to the place in the wilderness. And so as Christians, we have to be alert to the end time abomination of desolation. And, And you can read, more about that in Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 3. I'll just read that. Second Thessalonians 2 verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first or the rebellion will come first, as one of the other translations have it. And the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits in as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. You talk about an abomination of desolation. Of course, that stops the sacrifices. But also, you have another description in Revelation 13.13, 13, that this false prophet will call down fire from heaven and millions and perhaps billions of people will be deceived at that time. And so we know if the sacrifices are start, stopped, they must be started. But some believe that a temple has to be rebuilt before the sacrifices uh, start. Well, you turn to Ezra, of course, the third chapter, you find out that when the exiles came back from Babylon to Israel and to start to build the second temple, they laid the foundation. And I'll just read that to you. They began sacrifices. But was there a temple? Ezra 3 and verse 8. Now in the second month of the second year of the coming to the house of God in Jerusalem, this is around 536 B.C., there was no building as yet, But the returning Jewish exiles referred to the holy place as the house of God, even though there was no building that had been constructed. But they did have an altar, and they did begin sacrificing. And they called the place the house of God, even though there wasn't a physical building as such. So sign number four is watch for animal sacrifices, in Jerusalem, well, I actually need to mention a couple more things uh, regarding that. And uh, some of you know you've been watching the news, and of course, our news and prophecy uh, stated in the uh, jo- June 28th, 21 news and prophecy. According to the Old Testament, a red heifer is required to purify the altar of sacrifices in Jerusalem. Numbers. 19 verses 1 through 10. Israel's Temple Institute has worked for decades to prepare utensils, priestly robes, and even a portable altar that can be placed on or next to the Temple Mount where daily sacrifices are ready to resume when they are ready to resume. A red heifer is key to the resumption of daily sacrifices. Currently, any resumption of Jewish sacrifices on or near the Temple Mount would result in dramatic response by Arabs in Jerusalem and throughout the Middle East. To resume sacrifices would require major change in the political and religious dynamics of the region. Could this happen? Could Israel and the the Jews safely resume daily sacrifices in the future? Well, of course, biblical prophecy shows that they will resume um, sacrifices. But before they do that, as this News and Prophecy article Israel and the red heifer points out they need to have the red heifer ashes to purify the altar. And uh, what has happened along that line, I think you'll realize that this year, just September 26th, uh, news and prophecy pointed out, and I'll read, Red heifers arrive in Israel. Last week, five red heifers arrived by airplane in Israel. September 16th, 2022. The one year old female calves were bred and raised on a a ranch in Texas solely for the purpose of producing red heifers that could be used in purification rituals in Jerusalem. To meet Jewish rabbinical standards, the cows must have no more than two non red hairs, must not have been used for any work, and must have no blemishes including no brands or ears punctured by tagging. The Temple Institute in Jerusalem recently sent a team of rabbis to Texas to inspect the calves and identify potential candidates. The heifers will now be raised in Israel and will be inspected and prepared for postal sacrifices when they are two years and one day old. So here, September 16th, one year old, Heifers were sent to Israel. And they are eligible for sacrificing when they become two years old. So, September 16th or so, 2023, they will be two years old and eligible for sacrificing. So, will the process take place next year? I read one other place it would say be in their third year. So, it could be any time from September 2023 to September 2024. So, sign number four is watch for animal sacrifices by the Jews in Jerusalem. Prophetic sign number five, watch for a European superpower turning against Israel. And of course we've all been watching that for decades. Uh, We know that the European Union headquartered in, in Brussels, Belgium, and of course the uh, nations will have a centerfold. There are, what, 27 uh, nations applied for the European Union, but there's a center core of more, about 10 or 12 nations that uh, are working more to unify. Mr. Weston's semi annual letter described the major developments towards the unification and the future beast power. I hope you all received your semi annual letter uh, offering, of course, the the booklet uh, that you will be re- receiving probably in about three or four weeks, Germany and Prophecy. In a semiannual letter dated November 7, 2022, Mr. Weston writes, Dear Tomorrow's World subscriber, greetings from Charlotte, North Carolina. What a stunning turnaround. Three days after Russia invaded Ukraine, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, did what several United States presidents and others failed to do, convince Germany to rearm. Herr Schulz announced this con- his country would spend 100 billion euro- euros, at the time about 113 billion US dollars, along with more than 2% GDP to modernize their, Israel- their military. It will take several years to bring the the Bundeswehr infrastructure infrastructure back to a credible fighting force, but one of the major purchases is expected to be F-35 fighter jets capable of carrying nuclear weapons. Uh, Mr. Weston continues in his semiannual letter. After describing the Bundeswehr's first military enlistment promotional ad, Following the Chancellor's announcement, DW Online spoke this obvious, quote, "...two world wars and two dictatorships in the 20th century have caused a deep mistrust of all things military in Germany. The fact that uniformed soldiers can be portrayed as a normal occurrence in everyday life can be read as a tectonic shift." In the wake of the Ukraine war, Germany is making its peace with the military and possibly gearing up for future conflicts. And that's from the Ukraine war and Germany's paradigm shift, um, August twenty fourth, uh, 2022. So the coming beast power, and revelation will ex- exercise great military power. We already read... Uh, No, we did not read that. Revelation 13. uh, Turn to Revelation 13 and verse 1. And we'll read about the power of the beast power in this particular section of Revelation 13. Revelation 13 and uh, verse 1. The Apostle John writes, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and the mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So he's going to have great power and authority that Satan gives to him. And I saw one of the heads of it had been mortally wounded, and its deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast saying, and note this comment here at the end of verse 4, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Yes, the beast power is going to have very great military power. This uh, update on military spending for the German government is from WSWS. It's a socialist uh, website uh, actually arguing against the military spending by the German government. This is dated just a couple weeks ago, uh, 16 November 2022 commenting on the military spending of Germany. The Socialist Equality Party in Germany, SGP, and the World Socialist website strongly condemn the German government's rearmament and war offenses. So this is from the point of view of the socialists against the German government. But it does give information as to their military development. Last Friday, the Budget Committee of the Bundestag Federal Parliament approved the draft bill of the Social Democrat-led defense military that provides for a massive increase in military spending next year. According to this, the official defense budget is to rise to 50 billion euros. In addition, 8.4 billion will come from the so-called special fund of the Bundeswehr, armed forces, the increase will be finally approved when the budget bill is voted on by the full parliament. With its increase in military spending, Germany's ruling class is launching the biggest rearmament offensive since the end of World War II. According to an official announcement by the Defense Ministry, the 2023 economic plan for the Bundeswehr Special fund alone includes investments to procure the following items. F-35 fighter aircraft, Mr. Weston mentioned that in the semiannual letter, CH-47 heavy transport helicopters. personal protective equipment for Bundeswehr soldiers, Puma infantry fighting vehicles, Frigate 126, ships 124. In addition, quote, Funds for the procurement of ammunition will be increased by 1 billion euros in the coming years. And all this is just the beginning. So this is the resurgence of Germany as they prepare for the future. And Luke 21, verse 19. We'll turn there. Luke 21, and verse 19. So what we have predicted for years is now coming to pass. Germany is becoming an, an armed military force. Luke 21 and verse 19. By your patience possess you your souls. And of course, is talking about the, the pressures on Christians. And that's uh, I, I remind myself when I get a little stressed to this verse and your patience possess your souls. Verse 20, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For those will be the days of vengeance that all things which are written will be fulfilled. And then verse 25, And there will be signs in the heaven and the moon and the stars, and earth distress of nations, with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring. And then verse 27, They will see the Son of Man coming with the cloud with glory and great people. But notice in verse 24, And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive to all nations. And Jerusalem will be trotted down by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And, of course, we're talking about coming up to Armageddon. And, of course, more details. You can read the article on dangerous times of the Gentiles. Uh, That was January 2022, Tomorrow's World magazine. And so we realize the invasion of the Middle East from the powerful uh, King of the North that's mentioned in Daniel uh, chapter 11, verses 40 through 41. So prophetic sign number five is watch a European superpower turning against Israel. So we all need to be watchful and be awake and on guard. And we look forward to the time, of course, when Jesus Christ will come to Jerusalem and bring it peace and rebuild it. And it says in Zechariah 14 and verse 8, In that day it shall be living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur. And the Lord, the Eternal, shall be King over all the earth. Uh, that's good news we look forward and gives us joy and hope as we look forward to the future. The Lord shall be king over all the earth. So thank God that his kingdom is coming again and we pray daily, I hope you do, May your kingdom come. So we need to watch these five signs and others as well. Prophetic sign number one, watch for military alliances forming east of the Euphrates River. Sign number two, Watch for growing unity among Israel's traditional enemies. Number three, watch for the international attempts to control Jerusalem. Number four, watch for animal sacrifices by the Jews in Jerusalem. Number five, watch for a European superpower turning against Israel. So brethren, keep your eyes on Jerusalem and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Faithful Philadelphians will have the name of Jerusalem. And faithful Philadelphians will obey Christ's command to persevere to the end. Revelation 3 and verse 10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So, brethren, if you're a faithful Philadelphian, God will write upon you the name of God and the name of the Jerusalem, the city of God, and the new Jerusalem. So, brethren, watch for these five signs and others too, so you can be prepared for the final training in the wilderness, protected from the great tribulation and the day of the Lord. Watch these five signs and others as well. So you can be prepared to rule with Jesus Christ in Jerusalem and in the new Jerusalem to come. Watch the Middle East.